Greetings, programs and users. It is time once again for another episode of Old Nerds Drinking. I am John Patrick, the Master Control Program. Here with me again via satellite is Rojan. Greetings, everybody. And we are Old Nerds, and we are drinking. Rojan, what are you drinking today? I'm just drinking a hard cider tonight. I got a couple of cans of it in front of me. It's called Starlight Hard Cider or something like that. It's uh, something that I picked up when I was out of state. Oh, very nice. I... uh. Sorry. I was actually at Myers, and in their discount beer section, they had a couple of tall boys of Founders Brewery Solid Gold Premium Lager. So you know, I almost there was um there was a couple of bottles of Mango Namicon that mead that is made locally in Detroit, and it was also back in the section where beers go to die at Myers. And I almost grabbed a bottle of it. Now I'm wishing that I did. We can't clink the glasses since we're both drinking cans. So I will provide the artificial clink. 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 Oh, and as we, we drink our drinks, uh, as is tradition, uh, this is the time where we pour one out for those we have lost along the way. Well, I won't say we lost. I will say the great beyond had one for beam up. And Mr. Scott took uh, Nichelle Nichols home. So the Lieutenant slash Captain O'Hara, wherever you are, this bud's for you. A very important part of nerd culture and a very important part of culture together. Her boundary-breaking role on uh, Star Trek, being coerced into staying by Martin Luther King. And even after Star Trek ended, she did work with NASA helping to recruit uh, young people for the astronaut program. So she uh, she was committed to making the world a better place. But it, it has been a good long while since uh, we recorded. I'm, I don't know if I can comfortably say this podcast is bi-weekly anymore. I think we're straight to monthly because it's been about a month since we've recorded. Well, both of our work schedules have been crazy. I know mine has been really nuts. My job has been sending me all over the place, out of state, different uh, shows and things. Um, I just got back from Vegas for a show that I had to do out there. I've still got a lot of stuff coming up ahead of me. Next week, I'm going to be back out of town, and I probably won't be firing my podcast back up until November. Bummed because I booked all these guests. I got all these books. I got everything ready to go. I'm like, sweet. I'm ready to fire this back up. And then it was like, no, you need to be here, 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 and here. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. That, that is kind of sad. Because, yeah, I remember you were saying you were kind of excited about getting in together. Life happens, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've been busy with summer festivals and all that. Yeah, we, me and you ran into each other at one of them. <laughs> right, I know. We both worked the same one. Oh, shit. Our last episode was June 6th. We missed July. Oh, man. So, when we last recorded, we had just talked about uh, the start of, the Keno of Kenobi. Uh, now we're a month past the end of Kenobi. So, I think we should do our uh, Kenobi wrap-up. So, Overall, I it had its flaws, but I really did like it a lot. Um, there was some stuff in it, stupid, but ultimately I didn't care. I got to see Annie and Obi again. I got to see a couple of lightsaber battles. They did do what I thought they would do and change the ending out, though. There's a lot of heavy talk that they're going to make another one. I can't see Disney not making another one because mm. it was such a huge success for Disney+. Plus. That there's meat on the bone to tell a few more stories. Oh, yeah, I think. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll watch more. Um, 
ultimately the star of that whole thing, though, it wasn't Anakin, it wasn't Hayden Christensen, it wasn't um, Obi Wan Kenobi. It was the girl that played little Leia. Oh my God! That yes. Absolutely, that whole series. Like I would love to see her get her own series as like a young Princess Leia. Like I think that would be a great Disney Plus series targeted to a younger audience. But yeah, I would totally watch it. As for my complaints, I have exactly one complaint with the entire show of Obi-Wan. And it is, when did getting stabbed in the chest with a lightsaber become a minor inconvenience? Yes, I, I will agree with that. Like, I will 100% agree with that. That like, bit him in the ass really bad when the Grand Inquisitor got stabbed and everybody was like, he's dead, you're changing canon. And so many people flipped out. All, all of the fanboys and everybody flipped out so much that Disney had to come out and say, listen, we this is not changing canon. He is still alive. They had to kind of ruin it because people were flipping out so bad. OK, one person gets stabbed. Maybe he lives. He's an alien. Maybe he can regenerate. I don't I don't know. There's there's ways you can explain that away. The other girl getting sliced up by an, a lightsaber. Yeah, and, like, there, being fine. Th there's a lot of. OK, let's just say maybe maybe she missed the spine. And didn't, you know, incinerate his spinal cord down to his legs. Even barring that, there is a lot of internal organs there that you need to, you know, keep being alive. And them I just being vaporized and cauterizing the hole, you know, that gives you a pretty short life expectancy, you would think. They and, can get away with it with him because he was an alien creature that we don't know a whole, at least I don't know a whole lot about their race, and most general general people watching it don't know. Oh, yeah. But when you have the girl who gets sliced up yeah, by a lightsaber. Third sister takes lives. one. Oh, yeah. No, dope. We're going to crawl away and just be in a lot of pain. No, that is a fatal wound, people. Obi-Wan got hit with a lightsaber and instant force ghosted. But, you know... Apparently, there's this magic spot in in the uh, the stomach area where you can just punch a lightsaber right through, and you're fine. You're fine. Just walk it off. The other thing that I wish they had said is when Obi Wan Kenobi was down in the pit and all the stuff was coming on him. Um, phrasing. They missed a great for Vader to say, "I have the high ground this time." Oh my god, that would have been so meta. It would have been great. It would have been. It would have fit just fine, just that little tiny bit of a reference. But on the whole, I'm not going to complain about I, it. I would, I would like to say that I did call it um, early after the first two episodes that we were going to get a redemption arc for Third Sister, and we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I figured we'd get that all along. What I thought was they were – I figured they would either let her – well, I, I really figured that they would kill her off at the end of the show. And from what I understand, they did, but they went back and changed the ending yeah. of the show. Yeah, you know – they, they killed her off when she got that lightsaber to the abdomen. Yes. Just a flesh wound. Yes, whatever. You know, it's the worst thing about Star Wars is the fan base. It's just there are certain points where the fantasy aspects of Star Wars just break my believability in it. Uh, like when you get stabbed with a lightsaber and still are okay afterwards. When you're in a space battle and the ship runs out of fuel and stops, like there are just those things that are so mind numbingly stupid that it just, it breaks me out of it. And I'm just like, come on, come on. I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Honestly, what I want to talk about laser is blast arcing, like laser Marvel show. You know what? I'm slowly watching it. 
I've probably said it before, but like when I consume new media, I like to watch it. I don't like to have it on in the background. I want to be able to sit and watch it and focus on it and really take it in. Um, and that's why I was kind of late uh, catching up with Kenobi. I didn't watch uh, the last couple of episodes till the whole season was done because I wanted to be able to sit and focus on it and watch it. And that's what I'm doing with Miss Marvel, but it means I don't have as much time to do that. So I'm only like three episodes in. But I really like it. I like... Yeah. It, it, it's it very too, clearly... I am not the target audience for that. And I'm okay with it. But I'm still enjoying it. Um, I get a lot of... Like, a lot of people complaining. Like, it's just a kid's show. Yeah, it's just a kid's show. Everything isn't made for us. You know, sometimes it's made for the kids. But I just... I like the showing the superhero myth from a different cultural perspective. Um, I like the vibrant colors they use in a lot of it and like the cool little like sketched on uh artwork they're doing which reminds me a lot of uh oh god what was that show from the 90s where they did that was that my so-called life uh, i know what you're talking about but i don't remember the show yeah oh but, man yeah we're old we i agree with everything that you said when when we watched it um it was i went into it like the eternals i went into it expecting it to be horrible and I, I've walked away from it very pleasantly surprised. Well, one up, we, we got one episode left to watch before we finish the show, so I'm not going to spoil anything. But Marvel's in a situation where they have to start doing this now because all of the Marvel actors, I, I don't want to use the term grew up with, but with, and movie the fa- wise. The, the phase one stars, I mean, let's face it, like the first fa- Marvel phase was 10 years. So, yeah, yeah you had. At least now. Yeah, so you had actors who were in their 30s who are now in their late forties. Yeah. They're aging out. Mm -hmm. So what they have to do and what what we're seeing happening is we're seeing the creation of the next Avengers, the young Avengers, because now we've got the female Hawkeye. We've got the new um, black widow. So it can Um, can go two ways. We can go young Avengers. We can go West coast Avengers because they've really been setting up both of those. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a combination of both because wonder man's coming. Mm -hmm. So we know that's on the way. Oh, um, oh, oh yeah. It's, it's been long enough. We can spoil something from, from Thor love and thunder, but we got Hercules now. Yes, we do. You got Namor coming because oh. Namor is going to be in the new black Panther movie. Yes. So they're, th- what they're doing is they're setting up. Cause the other thing is they can't keep making movies for us. So there's two choices we have. We people our age, the our Marvel fans, we be cool about it, which is what me and you are doing. And we say, okay, I realize this isn't aimed towards me, but it is still a good quality show. It still tells a good story. The writing on it is very good. And I'm going to be honest with you. I like it better than Falcon and Winter Soldier, to be to be honest. Um, well, it's got I give, to it. I give Falcon and Winter Soldier a pass. That script for that show was kind of a kludged together nightmare. Because um, be- of COVID, too. Because the original plot and the original like shoots they had done for it were all with the first-generation script that involved heavily the outbreak of a plague. And then, mm. you know, there was a plague outbreak, and Marvel thought, hmm, that's hitting a little close to home. Uh, let, let, let's maybe fix this in post. And they did. Yeah. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier plot is very disjointed, but there's a reason for it. Yeah, I, I forgive them for it. I yeah. Do. I, do. I, really, um, I really wish 
we could see like a script or like some kind of animation of what the original plot for it was supposed to be. So I yeah, think I think this is a good point to pivot to Comic-Con because this year was the first big Comic-Con god in like 3 or 4 years actually since before COVID Comic-Con was actually shrinking because Marvel had pulled out. Uh phrasing some of the high muckety mucks from D uh from Disney had decided that they were going to announce their releases at the D23 Expos instead of at Comic-Con. And that meant a lot of people just stopped giving a shit about Comic-Con. But this year uh, was like the first post-COVID Comic-Con. It may have been Kevin Feige or somebody, but like some of the people in charge of my Marvel told Disney, no, it really is important. We really need to have a presence at Comic-Con and we really need to have a presence at Comic-Con in a big way. So yeah, they, they came loaded for bear. We saw at Comic-Con the trailer for Wakanda forever. Uh, we got a new She-Hulk trailer. Uh, we got the trailer for I am Groot, which is another one of those. Yeah, that's, that one's for the kids. Um, yeah, that one's absolutely for the kids. <laughs> but we got something we haven't had for a while, which is a Marvel roadmap. After the very concise first three phases of Marvel, where they had the roadmaps and they had the the Infinity War arc, when phase four hit, it felt disjointed. It felt like... There was no real where is it going. It's just kind of we're like, we're desperate. We don't know where we want the meta plot to go. We're just kind of trying to fill for time. And this was going back to the old way. It was like, okay, this is the roadmap. We're going to give you the next phases, phase five, phase six, and we're going to give you the meta plot, which they put a name to it, where the first phases were the Infinity War. This is going to be the multiverse saga. So phase four, five, and six are officially the multiverse saga. And we've seen them kind of leaning into that with like Spider-Man No Way Home. We saw that in the uh, Multiverse of Madness with the Loki show kind of just building the, building the steam up for alternate realities. Mm -hmm. Well, also at the time back then, they really didn't, they couldn't put too much out there. So they had to work with what they had. And the other thing is, like, we that was kind of the call. Like, we had the big climax of of end, uh, Endgame, and then you had Spider Man coming in to kind of clean up the pieces and set the tone for the next generation of where it was going to go. Right. So at the time, Marvel didn't have a whole heck of a lot that they could throw out there. And the other thing is, D twenty three is their event. Mm -hmm. So if you're given a choice of do we premiere what we have at Comic Con or do we premiere it at our own event, obviously we premiere it at our own event because it's our event. You know, so I can I can totally get why they did that. Um, so I didn't I didn't really care. And, and and really, to be honest with you, and I've said this before, where Marvel's going right now with this phase of the movies, I really didn't care that much about it. Like there's been I haven't been super blown away other than by Spider-Man, by anything that Marvel's really put out lately. Um the Disney Plus stuff was okay. Loki mm -hmm. was okay. WandaVision was good. It was different. Um, but now things are like, cause we still don't know where everything's going. There's all kinds of rumors. There's the secret wars that's supposed to be coming. Um, but nobody knows there's like, 
there's no real clear roadmap where all this stuff is going yet. That's well, just starting to form. I was about to say, there is. We have the roadmap. It is very clear. I can read it to you. So, okay. So we have... Well, I mean, uh, up till now. Let me, fa- let me yeah, up, yeah, up until now. So phase four, which is the first phase of the multiverse saga, will end with uh, the She-Hulk series, which will premiere on August 17th on Disney+. Plus. And then Wakanda Forever on November 11th. And let me just tell you, like, I'm not proud. I'm a grown-ass man. I fucking cried during the Wakanda Forever trailer. Um, the, the song No Woman No Cry has a lot of personal significance to me. They had a really good kind of cover of it to set to it. And, like, Angela Bassett, the scene where she's talking about losing her husband and her son and just... It gave me chills. I mean, Angela Bassett is just a monster actress. So I love to see these really... It was the same thing in Winter Soldier with Robert Redford, seeing these just hugely monster actors who have so much talent, being able to chew the scenery in a superhero movie is really something. And I love this idea of... I was trying to figure out what to call it, and the only thing I can come up with is uh, mythology punk. But the idea is of these mythological societies of like Wakanda and Namor, and uh, in the, even in the DC universe, you have the Amazons. Um, but like these highly advanced societies that are based on old mythologies, I kind of dig in this. Like, like this is definitely a, a style that I can get behind. From what I've seen in the Wakanda trailer, they're leaning very heavily into a Mesoamerican influence for the uh, for the Atlanteans and Namor, and that just looks pretty damn cool. But that will officially end Phase 4. Mm-hmm. Phase 5 of the Multiverse sar- Saga will pick up in Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania, mm-hmm. which is a February 17th release. And I have a feeling this is where we're going to, the movie introduction of Kang. Yes, they've already stated that. After that, we have Secret Invasion in spring of 2023. So there's a lot of different entries, and the entries have either a definitive date or a target. So like Quantumania is February 7th, Secret Invasion is 2023 spring. I think that signifies that the ones that have just a target are the Disney Plus shows. So I have a feeling Secret Invasion is going to be a a Disney Plus show. Then Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is May 5th. Then is Echo with a summer 2023. Uh, Loki Season 2 will also be summer 2023. Uh, The Marvels is July 28th, 2023. Uh, And then we have Blade in November of 2023, or November 3rd, 2023. Which I kind of wish they would have been able to get that a little sooner to make it a Halloween movie. But, you know. Yeah. Well, Halloween, they're going to do the uh, Moon Knight Werewolf by Night episode. Yeah. I really wish they can get Oscar Isaac back for another Moon Knight series. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I, I think he'll definitely be back. Um, or or to see him to see him crop up in some of the movies. It would be 100% be canon for Moon Knight to show up in the Blade movie. Like, that is just something that could very easily happen. After Blade, we have Ironheart, which is uh, fall 2023. And they tease Ironheart in the Wakanda Forever trailer. 
So I think we may get introduced to that character in Wakanda Forever. Agatha Harkness, uh, Coven of Chaos, is winter 2023 slash 24. So that might be like a Christmas New Year's release. Uh, mm -hmm. And then one of the ones I'm super stoked about, uh, Daredevil Born Again in spring of 2024. So that looks that good. I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, so that's that looking the one, that's the one big one on my radar that's like glowing like okay, I'm waiting I'm ready yeah. for this. I want to see Uh we they do you know, they do tease uh, a Daredevil appearance in She-Hulk the She-Hulk trailer. So Yeah, they're both attorneys. So that makes sense. Yeah. They also have talked about Jessica Jones popping up too. So that's spring of 2024 which could which means it's probably going to be a Disney Plus series. Captain America New World Order is May 3rd, 2024. And then Thunderbolts is July 6th, 2024. And that is the end of phase five. Now, Thunderbolts, is that going to be a Disney Plus show or is that going to no, be a No, that is a movie. movie. Yeah. So it, it has a date release, meaning that is more than likely going to be a movie. Then we're rolling into phase six. So phase six is Fantastic Four, November 8th, 2024. Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, May 2nd, 2025. Or no, we're into 2025. Oh, yeah. So there's a big jump. So Fantastic Four is November 8th, 2025 or 2024. And then Avengers, the Kang Dynasty is May 2nd, 2025. And then Avengers Secret Wars is November 7th, 2025. So there's... They don't give a... Those are the only three things they mention for Phase 6. So I'm guessing that those will be the big keystone you movies know, of the really year. You know, it's really absent from all of that. And I'm wondering about... There is no mention of any kind of Spider-Man in there at all. I know Andrew Garfield just signed a three-movie contract to come back as Spider-Man. And that's supposed to be on the Sony side. And Kevin Feige is going to step in. Apparently, Kevin Feige called up Sony because he knows the woman who's running Spider-Man. I guess they're really good friends. Mm -hmm. And he said, listen, if you're going to do this, you need to do it a certain way. And he's kind of like stepping in and helping Sony get their shit together with the Spider-Man properties. Yeah, because there, um, there is no way around it. Mobius sucked. I still haven't seen it yet. And they re-released it to theaters for a second run. And in that second run, it made under a million dollars. Yeah. Like that is that is 100% the movie equivalent of nobody cared about that enough to go out and see it. That sucks, too, because that could have been such a good movie. It could have been such a different angle. There are so many things that could have went right about it, but the problem is Sony just cannot get their shit together. Well, and I think with it, their movies, I think Marvel it's, is involved. I, and I think that's what it speaks to. I think it is the fans have made a conscious choice that you know what we're going to tell Sony with our money, we don't want to see a non MCU Spider Man. We want to see if you you bring Spider Man to the MCU, you let him play, let you let Marvel play with your toys. We'll spend money and we'll see your shows, but we're not down for this. It's like, just the writing in them is bad. Mm -hmm. Like the Venom movie wasn't, I, I, it was okay. Like that's the best I've seen out of a, a Sony movie is it's okay. So, you know, Tobey Maguire has made noises that he would like to come back, but not as, as, not as such a greater role. He would like to come back as the older consulting brother, you know, and Tobey Maguire. Youth pastor uh, Spider-Man. 
What's that? Yes, exactly. Yes. And Andrew Garfield, just like it was in the Spider-Man movie, like Andrew Garfield's the middle brother and, you know, the Marvel Spider-Man is the younger brother. Mm -hmm. So and apparently they're giving him a break for a while or something like that because he's not even appearing in the Spider-Man year one cartoon that's going to be on Disney Plus or somebody else voice acting it, which in my opinion is a bad, bad move. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, it makes it actually makes sense because it's supposed to be a much younger Peter Parker, so mm-hmm. it would make sense that they're going for a younger voice actor. Although I will say, I am down for however many uh, Spider-Man animated multi- or, uh, Spider-Verse movies Sony wants to make. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on board for those. Yeah, because that's because the um, Spider uh, Sp- the Miles Morales second movie is coming out, and Miles uh-huh. Morales is supposed to be popping up live action pretty soon, unless the whole thing with Will Smith Will Smith derailed all that because. Um, Will Smith's son is the one that's supposed to be playing Miles Morales. Well, say what you will about that kid. He's he's a little bit older now, and I think I think he's got the chops. So I liked him in the remake they did of the Karate Kid, but I I think I owe that more to the fact that I like Jackie Chan. Um, Mm. They then Will Smith and his son did that movie After Earth together, and that was yeah, that was bad. That was terrible. Oh that my god, terrible. that was bad. Um, I'm I'm willing to give the kid a shot. You know, I don't I don't I don't mind that so much. And I'm a real real honest. I haven't liked anything Will Smith did. Pretty much post Bad Boys. Well, no, wait. Was Independence Day after Bad Boys? Maybe Independence Day. Yeah, maybe post Independence Day. Um, well, I don't think anything anymore so you don't have to worry about will smith that much <laughs> yeah like the first men in black great independence day amazing anything after um, that uh, men in black 2 wasn't that great men in black 3 was awful yeah. and then he he got real high on his own shit and decided he wanted to be a super serious oscar actor but still do comic book movies and then he was in suicide squad and to be fair Suicide Squad was not specifically his fault, but, you know, it's when you're in the train wreck, you're still in the train wreck. DC is another curious one, because now that that new company, which I can't at the moment remember the name of, has bought them out, they are making some serious moves behind the scenes. Yeah. To be like, yeah, you know, like, because they're, they're going to, I guess, apparently they're going to continue this Snyderverse. Um that they're they're gonna because that's what the fans want. Which to, to be fair, that the Snyder. Oh cut no no no! We 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 gotta t- we gotta talk about the Snyderverse, uh, because it came to light that the whole release the Snyder cut campaign yeah. was heavily fueled by bots, as in to the point where any internet campaign they expect that about ten percent of all the mo- the movement is bots in researching the release the Snyder cut 35 to 40 percent of all the posts were bots and it came out that uh, Snyder actively encouraged the bot campaign yeah so you know I mean again it's DC like who really give well I okay DC has its fanboys. boys they do they have a very they have a much smaller but very rabid fan base mm-hmm and the Snyder cut, though incredibly long and tedious and sometimes ridiculous, was the better cut of the two movies. It really was. Yeah. And if it were cut down to be, you know, I mean, the way... no, no, 
I forced myself to watch the Snyder Cut. And if I tried to cut it to make it into an enjoyable movie, I'd, I'd basically have the oh. Joss Whedon cut. Huh. Curious. Wonder why. Why, why. why would that be? Because it's just all the really long, drawn-out, tedious stuff that I really didn't care about. I'd cut that shit out. And if you draw, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And when you do I mean, that... They had to add that shit in yeah. there to make it yeah, when that you, long of a, of a show. Right. You and know, when, like when you do cut. that, you basically get the Joss Whedon cut. And I really liked the Joss Whedon cut. The Joss Whedon Justice League is the first time I actually liked Henry Cavill as Superman. Like, the first time I felt he had the heart of Superman. Um, well, to be fair... I hate when people say to be fair. No, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. Uh, to be fair. Uh, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. I do like the Henry Cavill Superman. It took a little bit for him to grow on me. Blessed be and he, again, the Lord of the Nerds. He's, he's, he's a good actor for the role. He can play the range and the expressions. He looks like Superman. Mm-hmm. It's just that some of the things he did in his first Superman movie were not Superman-like. Well, right. And that's, and that's, not, that's, the, that's the And we don't even know that could be decisions that were made by the director, decisions that were made yes. by the writer, decisions that were made by the producer. Like, it's very hard to blame an actor for a role because a lot, like, even terrible movies with, like, terrible acting, although we did just bash Will Smith for his acting, but a lot of times that could be decisions that they didn't get to make. The one thing I did not like about the, about the Justice League movies is I just did not like The Flash. I didn't like the guy that played The Flash. He didn't seem like The Flash. What I think they should do in the forward going forward is take the guy that played him on the television show, take Grant, yeah. and just put him in the role. And not to the mention... The problem is, is they just canceled the Flash series with him in it. They just canceled the series, and they also aren't going to finish the up, finish up the episodes. Well, I was so about to say... And no then the no more shows at all. The other problem is the fact that uh, Ezra Miller, the actor who played the Flash, is a fucking train yeah. wreck. And then Warner Brothers just doubled down on it. They're like, nope, not only are we still keeping Ezra Miller, uh, we're going to cancel other movies to make sure that we make the Ezra Miller Flash movie. Um, and nobody wants it. Yeah. <laughs> like, virtually nobody wants this movie. I will say, <laughs> I was, like, uh, going back to Comic-Con, um, we got to see a new Black Adam trailer, uh, which shows more, all, or more other characters who will be in that movie. Um, so we get to see... Pierce Brosnan as uh, Dr. Fate. Uh, Hawkman That's will be... A good yeah, I know. Uh, Hawkman will be in it. They do mention specifically the Justice Society. So I don't know if this is this is taking place on the DC alternate world with the Justice Society or if that's how they're going to address that. Uh, we got the new Shazam trailer for Shazam 2. And I did like Shazam. I did like Shazam. And I, and I have a feeling I did like it. Yeah. Uh, I think Helen Mirren's in Shazam too. And I just love Helen Mirren. So, yeah. And then the other non comic, well, I, I don't, yeah, the other non comic book movie, but the other big reveal from, or big, big trailer reveal from Comic-Con was we finally got to see the Dungeons and Dragons among thieves trailer. Yeah, I watched that right before we started recording, and that gets my seal of approval as well. Oh, my God. Um, it's nice to see, because my life growing up, you're younger than me, but you experienced this as well. We were deluged with a bunch of really shitty 
Dungeons and Dragons movies. And I know my whole life, you know, watching these movies, I was like, why, how could you take this property and mess it up so badly? How could you make such crappy movies when you have such, such a movie with a built-in audience lore, like everything that goes along with Dungeons and Dragons? There are so many things that they could have done. And up till now, you know, it's, it, it was like, how could they do this? But now after seeing this movie, it's like, all right, I'm seeing all the D&D stuff that I grew up, the monsters, the acting looks good, the script looks good, the story looks good. I did like the music in the trailer so, as well. So that's something I want to hit on, is I really, I kind of blame Marvel for this, although I don't want to bl say blame, but Marvel really started this trend of, hey, let's find this song. And let's kind of make that, use that song to build the theme of the trailers and even to a certain extent, some of the movies. And you can just look back. It's like Iron Man, Iron Man 1 was back in black. Um, yeah. Un, Iron Man and, 2. And black Sabbath. Yeah. Thor was uh, Led Zeppelin. Immigrant yeah. song. Well, yeah. Thor Ragnarok was Immigrant Song. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder was Guns and Roses. Um, mm -hmm. uh, let's see... I think if Iron Man 2 was Shoot to Thrill by ACDC. Uh, and there, there's just been another, a couple others where they, they would pick that song and that just kind of helped give you the feel for the movie. Uh, so, and that's exactly... Guardians exact... of the Galaxy, which song do you want to pick? Oh, I, mean... I know. The whole damn soundtrack was like just yeah. iconic classic rock songs. And for D the Dungeons and Dragons movie, it's A Whole Lot of Love. Yeah. Yeah, A Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin. They pretty much run the gamut of, like, the three Led Zeppelin songs I can tolerate. Man, I'm such a Zeppelin fan, it hurts to hear you say that. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to hate me, because I, I really, really think Zeppelin is kind of overrated. Like, wow, man. I, I think okay. you're allowed to have your opinion. You like, know. from a sound engineer standpoint, I think Pink Floyd is a much more interesting band because they were doing some very experimental things with how they were recording the songs. Whereas Led Zeppelin was like, yeah, let's just make rock songs. And, and it's like, yeah, there's a couple of bangers in there. And then there's a lot of not. Well, they all were, I mean, you had a lot of bands. We'll make this quick because there's, there's one more thing that I want to talk about. about oh, we got, we still got but a couple more a things to hit. At the time, you had uh, Pink Floyd, bands like Pink Floyd, you had Yes, you had uh, Rush to a later extent later on. Yeah, later on. Uh, the Beatles were incredibly experimental in the recording studio. But I think of that uh, time period, uh, you Pink also, Floyd and the Beatles were the two. No, um, you also absolutely have to include in there the Beach Boys. Um, while they were, uh, like, you can write them off as surf rock, but Brian Wilson was savant of recording. Um, there are, I believe you can find them, but like the master recordings of Pet Sounds, which is... I was going to say, Pet Sounds is amazing. Yeah, the, for, the for continuous records, and you'll hear Brian Wilson in the recording studio, and he'll call a stop, and he'll be like, it's not the right sound, it's not the right sound, um, and then he goes up to the per people who are playing the percussion instruments, he's like, um, do you have a key ring? You got a key ring? All right, you like pull that out. Um, instead of hitting the uh, symbols, start jingling your key ring on it and just doing weird little tweaks like that to get this amazing sound, and that's how they got it. So what I want to bring up to change gears a little bit, mm -hmm. I know you haven't watched it yet, but I actually went through and watched the whole first season 
of Strange New Worlds. Oh, yeah. And it is absolutely fantastic. It is the best Star Trek show. Because I, I love all, well, almost all. I love almost all sci-fi. And Strange New Worlds is probably the best Star Trek show. I can't remember how long it's been since the since I've seen a show this good. So well written with the characters. You know, I am... on there are pretty good. Uhura, I'm still not completely sold on, but I don't care. I'll roll with it. Um, the guy who plays Pike is fantastic. Um, the camaraderie and the crew, the way it's written, how every episode is episodic. It's not a grand story. It's a return to what Star Trek used to be, like an adventure of the week kind right. of thing. The ship looks beautiful. It looks the way that the Enterprise should look, unlike Discovery, where it looks fucking weird. Like the Enterprise, the Discovery didn't look like it belonged in it's that all world. Oh, I was gonna say, no. I was thinking of the the uh, Chris Pine Star Trek, where everything that one is, was weird too. Everything's chrome weird. and lens flare. That and and the Chris Pine, the Kelvin universe, as it's called, um, the this the Enterprise almost looked okay. But the uncircumcised warp nacelle engines just still to this day bug me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Strange New World, if you're a Star Trek fan, and if you haven't seen it yet, find a way to watch it. It's really, really, really good. So, and I, um, it's I, like, I think it's only like 10 episodes long, but there wasn't a bad episode in the entire season. It's a fantastic show from first episode. To, to the last one. Every episode's great. The only thing I didn't like about the show is I'll ruin this. I will ruin this. This is spoilers right here. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So everybody, if you don't want to hear what's going on, pause it for a second. Captain Kirk does pop up in the last episode of the show. And the guy that plays Captain Kirk just doesn't quite pull it off for me. Like the guy who plays Spock is pretty good. Um, you hear Scotty, you don't, you don't see Scotty and it sounds like Scotty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure he might be popping up because Spoiler alert again, spoiler alert, the engineer on the Enterprise ends up dying. And it kind of sucks because that character had just started to grow on me when he died. But um, so, yeah, overall, do absolutely, if you can find a way to watch Strange New Worlds, I highly, highly recommend it. Here's the problem. fantastic. I have to confess, as much as I try, I've just never been a Star Trek fan. That's okay. Um, Like, I, I can tolerate Next Generation... Very selective episodes in very small doses. Mm-hmm. Um, Deep Space Nine, I super enjoyed it until I realized that it was because I was just rewatching Babylon 5 with a bigger budget. And I, I'm going to go out on a limb to say, with a few exceptions, not acted as well. I mean, like, yeah. Uh, Ooh, that's bait, and I'm not going to take it, good sir. I mean, I love I love me some O'Brien. Title to have your opinion. I I did enjoy the first couple of seasons of Voyager, but as soon as like as soon as they interacted with the Borg, it just made me hate the show because every time they interacted with the Borg, it just made the Borg less and less menacing. Voyager was my least favorite of the Star Trek um, Enterprise suffered from the fact when you do a show set in the past. And having to work around all the established canon, I just, I didn't get into it. I mean, I love Scott Bakula, and I still couldn't get into it. Picard, I like, because it kind of reminds me of all the best. It's basically taking the 10 good episodes in a season of Next Generation and just giving you all those episodes of one season. 
except when I got to the end of season one, and that was just stupid. Yeah, I, I, that wasn't one of my favorites. I have I'm getting ready to watch season two. As soon as we finish off Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. I think we're gonna try to watch uh, Picard season two. And I gotta say it, Lower Decks is my favorite Star Trek show. I haven't watched it at all. It, and honestly, I just haven't had much of a desire to. I will eventually get to. It's that level of irreverent humor that has always been lacking in Star Trek. Star Trek always comes off as dry. It always comes off as like little quibs, but it's always just it's super super serious. And Lower Decks finally just breaks that, and that's what I love about it. You know, Strange New Worlds does have a very good amount of humor in it. So I would just tell you to give it a shot. You know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you, I think you might enjoy it. Um, give it a, give a, give a, give the episodes a couple of, you know, give the yeah. first couple of episodes. Well, a I try. mean, I still have to finish Miss Marvel. I still have to watch the new season of Stranger Things. And then yeah, if I have time, I'll, I'll try and sit. Yeah. Cause I mean, like I gave Discovery a try and just hated it. And then, yeah, Discovery's rough. <laughs> yeah, it really I, is. I, rem- I remember distinct. I remember distinctively. You're like, yeah, the first like season and a half are kind of lame, but then it gets really good for like the end of the season, and then it just starts to kind of get kind of lame again. So what you're saying is, if I watch three seasons of this show, there's like half a season that's good. That that's what you're telling me. Yeah, and the season that was actually good is where Strange New Worlds came from because mm-hmm. those characters, that characters were all involved, were, inter- were introduced in season two because the, inter- the Discovery didn't have a captain. So Pike has to show up and take over captaining the ship. Right. And it's actually pretty good. And because it was so good, so many people were like, this is what we want. You need to make this into a show. And Paramount once said, okay, we'll do sure. that. And they did. And it was fantastic. But <sighs> after that, the season three of Discovery, season four, I haven't even watched. I really don't even care if I do watch it. From what I understand, it sucks. So I don't know if that show is going to be around much longer or whatever. I don't know. As much as I've been avoiding paying for Paramount Plus, I did have several people whose opinions I I kind of take take notice of tell me that the the Paramount Plus Beavis and Butthead movie they did was actually really oh, good. Oh, it's great. Like it's great. It's like, oh man, I, 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 I did, plane flight home from on a, my trip to work last I, week. I guess, I guess I kind of need to because I, I mean, I have, I remember Beavis and Butthead do America, and that was a good movie. <laughs> I have it. You know what? I have it. I can give it to you. And there is a time coming up pretty soon where we could actually watch it if you wanted to. We yeah, watch that, it on Friday. Yeah. Um, um, so it's possible. It's not bad. It's actually I was pleasantly surprised by how funny it actually was. Um, it's still they somehow or another, they managed to make Beavis and Butthead still relevant in modern times. <laughs> I, I tell you what, though, so apparently they're getting a show. What will make me immediately sign up for a Paramount Plus is if they bring back King of the Hill. Also supposed to be rumored to be in the works. Like I, I love King of the Hill so much. And just would love to see more episodes of it. I, I would I would pay to get Paramount Plus just to watch a new King of the Hill show. You know what? Have you watched the Orville yet? So, not really, not regularly. Um, I watched the mm-hmm. first season, and it's if I have free time and there's nothing to do, I'll sit and watch it, and I like it. Mm-hmm. That is the Trek show I want, where it is serious and 
there there are real meaningful plots in it, but it it, it doesn't, it doesn't show, take itself too seriously. It doesn't show a future that is completely devoid of my personal kind of dark irreverent humor. Like like that's like every time they show Star Trek, it's just everybody's very serious. Even civilians are very serious and like there is no joy in their life. There is just science exploring and Star Trek. Like mm-hmm. there there isn't the guy who just lives in the hollow deck and like spends his day living holodeck novels. There isn't the guy who is like, you know, I don't need money. There is no wealth. I can just do whatever the fuck I want, and I'm going to sit here and be a dirty hippie for, like, the rest of my life. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it's the utopian future. I can do whatever I want. And and you see more things like that in Star Trek. Or, excuse me, in the Orville. So I do like the Orville. I'm way behind on it. I'm still only, like, halfway through the second season. But everything, I, everything I've seen about it, I like. What's funny is, for a while, because the only thing we had for a little while, Star Trek-wise, was Discovery. And then... Orville came along and it created a big rift in the Star Trek community where people were like, why is it that this show, you know, um, <laughs> how did he's a huge star? To the, how you know, did um, family guy make the best Star Trek show of the last 20 years? Because he's a huge, huge Star Trek fan. Oh yeah. And that's how and, it is. And, and plus he, he was pissed off again because Star Trek wasn't being made. So he, so he made it. He made Star Trek the way he wanted it to be. But what happened was a lot of people were like, this show is more Star Trek than Star Trek is right now. And I think that's part of the reason why they also brought back why they did Strange New Worlds, because they were like, it, it was kind of an embarrassment. McFarland also had people come in from Star Trek and help him direct, you know, do certain episodes. And I, things like that. I am willing to bet there is at least one Jonathan Frakes episode. A directed episode even if it he, oh, yes, they, yes, even yes, if yes. they don't credit him jonathan frakes is an a, a directing whore he'll do anything yeah yeah frakes did a couple episodes i don't remember which ones they were but that's that's for sure there was and, a lot and, of and like i said uh up. going back to lower decks the lower decks riker is like my absolute favorite riker because it's like the personification the cartoonification of like how we all joke about riker being that's how he is in lower decks <laughs> it's like I'm I'm the captain of the ship. Hmm, let's it's like let's uh, exit the system and have a snappy jazz tune while we're doing it. Like that's the that's the comedic Riker I want. Just I just say give it a shot. You know, um, g- g- give Strange New Worlds a shot. Give it a watch if you can. Oh yeah, it, it, and like if said, you don't it, like it, it, I won't I won't hold it against you. It's it not way. it's not something I'm like actively avoiding. It's just my time to consume media is very limited, and I will do my best to get to it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like you in the expanse where I had to drag you kicking and screaming into a good time. Okay. I will 100% take that hit. I deserve it. It wasn't that I didn't, I just, I was just indifferent to it. I didn't care one way or another if I watched the show or not. It didn't seem to hold any interest to in me. And I will fully take the hit and admit that I was wrong and I will. Um, so, yes, you were right, and I've said that a million times, and I'll say it again. It was a very good show, and I got hooked, and I got sucked into it. Now, That's with so The Expanse, are they, are they going to continue on with the books? Are they going to do the time jump where it takes place like seven years later, and they're going to continue doing it? Or is there nobody so to talk about that? So um, that is a possibility. Um, what happened was um, there was a very public incident with uh, – one of the cat of the cast members 
and mm-hmm. he quiet well he, not quietly but he had to be removed from the show and that kind of was like okay well we're just going to wrap it up here and where they ended it is a good place for the story to end um and in the books what happens the next book is like a 20 year time jump in the future uh, yeah. So they have said that the door is open, they have the properties, they have the interest that maybe five years down the line, they can do the final three books that take place after the time jump, which mm-hmm. I I'm, I still have two books to read and I'm kind of dreading because I know that when I'm done reading them, that's it. The series is done and I hate closure. All right, so before before we get to the end, there's there's one or two other things we have to talk about. So in the last episode, we talked about the screen-matched uh, X-Wing model that has somehow survived in private hands from A New Hope. Like, there are only this and one other models from any of the Star Wars movies that exist in private hands. That went to auction... And sold for $2.375 million. Okay. Yeah, that's some serious coinage. Well, just this week it was announced that the lone surviving Han Solo DL-44 blaster pistol is now going to auction. Uh, The story is, when they were filming A New Hope... If you're into prop history, the blaster changes from movie to movie. Han Solo's blaster changes from movie from movie to movie. The reason for that is uh, George Lucas didn't own the guns, so he hired a production company, or not a production company, but a prop house to make those guns and rent them. That's why so many of the guns you see in A New Hope are old World War II guns. Because this prop house, that was what they had. It was some uh, some prop house that rented guns in the UK because they filmed it all in the Pinewood Studios in London. So they took all these World War II guns, slapped some sci-fi bits on them, and poof, they're blasters. So originally for A New Hope, they made three blasters for Han Solo, um, but they only had some of the parts. So they what they would do is... They the flash hider that's on the front of it and the scope, like if they broke one of them or had to do some close-up shots, they would move those from the three different guns. But what happened was at the end of filming, all those guns were returned to the prop house. Um, and because it was a working prop house and Star Wars was just a movie, they took all the parts off of them. Uh, restored them back to being a historically accurate pistol, rifle, whatever. And those guns went on to just keep appearing in movies as normal guns. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to the recent couple of years, that prop house, uh, the person who owned it, I believe, passed away. Uh, New owners took over, and I guess they're just liquidating everything. But while they're doing it, they're finding some of these guns and putting them up for auction. Uh, so they have the Laura Croft Tomb Raider pistols, the USP 9mm with the compensators that she used in the first Tomb Raider movies. And somebody found the original C96 Mauser with the chopped down barrel that was one of the guns they used for Han Solo. 
It didn't have any of the parts on it. Come to find out that all the unique parts that had been on this gun had just been sitting in boxes around the studio or around this prop house for the last 40 years. Uh, they found all the prop or the pieces. Uh, they brought the armorer who did the original conversion out of retirement to redo it. But this is serial number matched uh, with the exact parts, the, the scope that's on it, the flash hider that's on it. This is the screen-used hero prop Han Solo DL-44 Blaster, and it is going to auction. What's the opening bid? Do they have a, an opening bid set for it? Oh, it's not even listed yet. Um, so here's the interesting thing. Because these are ostensibly still firearms, they're not being auctioned through the prop store. They're actually being auctioned through Rock Island Auctions, which is a prop house, or excuse me, an auction house that specifically deals in firearms. Um, so this, they're having a special auction coming up that is just these movie guns. And let me tell you, Rock Island Auctions is in Illinois. It's like a five-hour drive. We could be there. Oh, no. No, oh, yeah. I am not going to go. Try. Oh, yeah. This is, this is all you. <laughs> oh, dude. Because when they do the auctions, they have a preview day where you can, like, go through the... I don't know if they're going to do it for these, but, like, when they do other auctions, you can just go to their warehouse on the preview days and see everything that's coming up for auction. Yeah. So you just want to go there and see it, then, is what you're saying. Um, to quote Harrison Ford, it belongs in a museum, sir. It does. It does. These, these all do. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that Disney isn't just ponying up the money to get them. But then again, they've got advanced prop departments that can just recreate anything at this so point. But still, that's that's a thing because Lucasfilm. The reason there's so few of these in private hands is because Lucasfilm understood that and kept everything. There were mm-hmm. very like there's some things for New Hope that got out because they just weren't thought to be kept. But still, the vast majority of all the props were kept by Lucas. They're all still in the Lucasfilm archives. Um, Mm -hmm. Which begs the question is, why isn't Disney making a museum? Like, it would be trivial for Disney to just be like, yeah, we got all this shit. Let's just make a museum. Disney could then have this in their museum. And then I could go see it and not have to go on a five-hour drive just to be able to handle it. I think you should go for it and try it. I mean, I'm not interested in going out and checking it out. A, I don't have the time, and B, I don't want to drive five hours to look at Han believe, Solo's gun. And, and Though the, I am a nerd, but... Well, and believe it or not, I'm actually on the like mailing list for this auction because when other guns come up, I'll occasionally bid on stuff when they do their like smaller auctions. Um, so yeah, like they, I'm on their call tree. When they have auctions, they call me and invite me to come do, to the preview days. So it is within the realm of possibility that I could receive an invite to this uh, preview day. (laughs) So yes, uh, in the pantheon of just amazing stuff that if I had won the billion dollar lottery uh, the other day, yeah, that is 100% one of the things I would own. Um, Because I'm willing to bet this is something that could possibly end up in the collection of uh, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, he is a avid prop collector, collector with a extensive collection. I I would not be surprised if that X wing is either in his collection, or possibly even in uh, uh, J.J. Abrams' collection. 
because uh, he's also an avid, like, he is a collector of Star Wars ephemera and, you know, has Star Wars money because he directed two movies. So he could mm-hmm. afford it. That's one of the things I wanted to bring up real quick before we go. I'm glad you said that because it popped into my head. I'm going to make this quick because I know we got one more thing to cover. Plus, mm-hmm. I've got to get going here pretty soon. We had talked about before the original Star the original Star Wars script for the last Star Wars movie and how we said this oh, would have yeah, been yeah, such yeah, a yeah, great yeah. movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have that somewhere. So um, I saw one of the previews for Andor. And there is, oh, yeah, in, the we forgot about Andor, that. in the background, there is the lightsaber guillotine scene. Yeah. So apparently they've taken some of the stuff from that script and incorporated at least some of it, not all of it. I can't, of course, because it's a different movie, different time period. I, ha- I have to say, like, I was kind of like, eh, Andor seems like an interesting premise. I liked his character. Um, yeah. Before I was like, oh, man, if it doesn't have K2SO, I'm not interested. And then I saw the trailer they just dropped at Comic-Con, and holy fuck am I interested. Like, it looks good. Like this, it, it, Yeah, it does. It, it does. That was one of the shows where I'm like, why would we want to watch this? We know where this is going. We know that's, that's the problem with these kind of movies and these shows. You know where it's going, so what's the point of the prequel? Well, you know? I mean, we knew where Titanic was going, but still, it was still one of the highest grossing movies of all time because people went to see it. I get that. I get that. Um, but Andor, it does it, it like it scratches that itch for that era. Yeah, th- there of is storytelling. Yeah, that is an era that is criminally underutilized. That there is just not that much information about because in the original era of the Star Wars expanded universe, there were a couple like there was a document that writers were given about here are the things that you are absolutely forbidden from writing about. You are not allowed to write about how the Force works. You are not allowed to write about the Clone Wars. And you are not allowed to write about, well, at least until the prequel movies came out, the era between the Clone Wars and A New Hope. Like, mm-hmm. that whole prehistory is was off limits. Uh, so this is really the first time we're getting stories of how the Rebellion was built. And... We just, with the whole thing with uh, Kenobi and Bail Organa, like there's a huge ability for overlap between those two stories. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Comic-Con trailer, you get to see Saw Gerrera and them talking to the rebels of Saw Gerrera and like plotting how to do the rebellion. So yeah, this is, it is, I am really, really pumped for that. And I think it's dropping in September. So we're not going to have to wait too long to see that. No, it's the next Star Wars show to come down the pipe. I think what's on the docket so far is after this is over with, after Miss Marvel is over with, then I believe that She-Hulk is the next one, I think, which yeah. so She-Hulk looks, I'm, I'm very interested in She-Hulk. I didn't, that was one of the shows where I'm like, I don't know about this. This, this sounds dumb. And the first trailer looked okay. And they've been getting better and better as they go along. Right. And, so, and it gives us a preview of what could possibly happen with Deadpool because She-Hulk is one of the only other characters in the Marvel Universe who can break the fourth wall. Who is cogn- And she does that in, in the commercial for it, too, because she looks at the screen. He goes, whatever, I support you and whatever you want to do. And she looks at the screen and she goes, no, he, he doesn't. doesn't. And then, like, Bruce just kind of looks at her like, what? You know? Yeah, yeah. So... so so yeah, that that is something interesting. We get that begs to be explored. So yeah, She Hulk drops in the seventeenth. So like in a week and a half. 
Yeah. Oh, shit, I'll be on vacation when that drops. Uh, <clears throat> hopefully I got enough signal where I can download it. Um, and then after that finishes, it'll run right into Andor, which I think Andor will stretch probably uh, till November-ish. And, and then that's I'm, when the Mandalorian is supposed to drop, I yeah, believe. And then that'll go into the Mandalorian because the Mandalorian is supposed to drop around Christmas. So and then I think after that is Ahsoka, which is the one that I'm really looking forward to. Like, of course, the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian, that just goes without saying. You're going to wait right, to see what happens right. with the Mandalorian because it is still, in my opinion, the best of the new Star Wars stories. I really believe that Mandalorian is still the best. It continuously. And they had originally said they were going to wrap the Mandalorian after season three. And then they've now announced that, nah, we're going to keep doing it. So more Mandalorian after that. Cause I would really, I would really love to see an arc of him reuniting the Mandalorians about him, like bringing together the clans under him as the Mandalore. Yeah, I'm curious where that story is going to go. Plus, like, because that that's, that takes place on a whole different part of the universe. That's one of the things, like, Star Wars, I'm looking forward to the future of Star Wars. Even the movies that are coming down the road, because they've said, yeah, these are going to be new movies that are not going to take place. They're going to take place in a completely different part of the galaxy, which is what the Mandalorian does. Yeah, it's you the know, galaxy and it's is what a, Ahsoka is going to do. I'm just excited to be seeing... Star Wars media that doesn't involve the dr family drama of the Skywalkers. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I, and I still, like I said before, I, I would still like to see Ray pop back up in the future of oh, yeah. the Star Wars universe. That and, and it's very possible she could because, you know, you've got a whole lot of life left in Grogu. Mm -hmm. Grogu is still very young, so you could easily have him oh, 100 yeah. years down the road or something. Yeah, it, and him hitting the new the like he'll just be an adolescent by the time uh the force awakens happens so yeah, yeah um it so it's is, very possible that they could do more star like future stories down the road and even though ray is going under the skywalker name she's not necessarily a skywalker she's still her own character right and I did like her character. I did like the actor. I love just her. the writing. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I love her character. I love, I love John Boyega's character. Like Finn was possibly one of my favorite characters because. Well, they all got undercut, you know, because yeah. he fulfilled the role that Han Solo did in the original trilogy of the guy who's pointing out how absurd everything that's going on is. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what the prequel trilogies missed, is they didn't have the person who's like, this is really crazy. You guys know that, right? And well, that, and they screwed him. They screwed him over really bad because they implied they, they let the they led the audience to believe that he was the one that was going to become the Jedi. And they even implied in the movies that he was force sensitive. And then they never did anything with it. They wasted his character. Mm -hmm. They did him really dirty. They really in, did. In his role. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Anyways, I don't know. I don't want to keep going on about Star Wars because we've we've had these debates many times. <laughs> yes, but these are new debates other than the one that we don't talk about. So these are yeah, okay. I'm, I'm done with all that. So. Uh, you just are no longer allowed to mention she who shall not be named. I, and I do not want to. Yeah. And I, I, I'm done with all of that because it, it, um, it's not it's not really an issue anymore. Yeah. So it's not a problem for me. Because while she is still in charge of it, at least good shit's still happening. 
Yeah, I think I think they've moved her more to a backseat role. Um, well, it's not so much that they've moved her to a backseat role. It's just that either through orders from higher ups or through her realizing it, she is just hands off of the creative process. Is yes, like, yeah, which is fine. Like, let her run the day to day operations of Lucasfilm, but let the people creating Star Wars create Star Wars. And yeah, because the people that are creating Star Wars now have their heart and soul into holy it. They, crap. Are, they, like, were, they grew up the same way we did playing with action figures. Like, you have to like basically admit that everything we've got since Rise of the Skywalker is the best Star Wars that's came out since A New Hope. Hands down, um, like the best Star Wars that has come out since A New Hope, like with maybe a caveat to Rogue One, but other than that, the best Star Wars, like this is the Star Wars with the most Star Wars, Star Warsiness. I'm, com- I'll, I'll put it this way: I don't, I don't know if I'll agree with that, but it's good enough that I am comfortable enough to watch it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll put it that way. I mean, the, the, like we've all we've all got our grapes about it. Like the Mandalorian, by and large, I don't have a whole lot of grapes about that show. You know, it's 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 written really solid, and it's got it scratches all of the itches and stuff that I'm looking for in Star Wars. It's got just enough of the Force. You know, it's got just enough of everything without relying on all of that old stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm curious to see where Andor is going to go. Like, how are they going to approach this one? Yeah, You know, like we know what's going to happen with Ahsoka. They've they've all but said this is going to be a continuation of Star Wars Rebels because everybody that was in Rebels back, they're all even Chopper. Yeah. You know, they're all going to. Yeah, that, that was, was um, I forget, it wasn't at Comic-Con. It was at one of the other events. I think it might have been Star Wars Celebration where they brought out the real life model of Chopper. Yeah. And like the and internet was awesome. Yeah. The, the internet It's like, like, this is what R2D2 would do if he wasn't the glue holding the universe together. If like, he could just yes. be the badass that we all know he is. Like Chopper was an asshole. Chopper would, Chopper would, would kill motherfuckers. Like yeah. straight up. He, you know, he'd like kick him out of spaceships and stuff. Chopper was a dick and yeah. he was funny. And it was like, it's, it, you loved him for all the same reasons that you loved R2D2, but you loved him because he was an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where Star Wars is going to go. I don't know if it's been the best thing since A New Hope, but it's good enough to where I can watch it and go, I'm happy with this. This is all right. This is this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted originally. This is the stuff that I wanted to see before. And, um, yeah, I don't know. There's not too much more I can say about it, really. Yeah. So before we wrap it up for the night, uh, there's one more thing we have to cover. And that is, uh, as all of you know, Every time we close out this show, we close it with the the quote from Tron, end of line. And that quote is the Master Control Program talking to Sark, uh, the titular villain of the, sh- of the movie, who was played by actor David Warner. David Warner is also one of those guys who's in every movie you've, like, who's been in everything. Like, I believe mm-hmm. his IMDb thing has over 200 film credits. Like he was, um, he was in the original Omen. He was uh, the the goon on Titanic. Like going back to Titanic, uh, David Zane's character, his manservant. That was David Warner. He was in the Wing Commander movie. 
he was the voice of Ra's al Ghul in the Batman the Animated Series, which, by the oh, way, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he was. Which was my yeah. oh, dude, like I loved that was so many of the Batman characters. My absolute favorite portrayals of them are Batman the Animated Series. Like it just is. I will never stop saying how fabulous Batman the Animated Series was. Um, but yeah, he was just one of those guys that was in everything. He has hun- dozens of voice acting credits. Um, and he was as another person who we lost recently. Uh, so today, we're going to raise our glasses one final time. Absolutely. To Mr. David Warner, this one's for you. Absolutely. End of line. Over? Did you say over? Nothing is over until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. It ain't over now. So, what's the plan? Take on, go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. Might as well write them off. Let's close up the bridge. Let's get out of here. Close it up, lights out. Where are you headed, cowboy? Nowhere special. Nowhere special. I always wanted to go there. We're going!